Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Stocks for beginners. Weekend watch list. Hi, and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners Weekend Watchlist, where we'll be taking a close look at an individual company, sector, or ETF that you may wish to consider for your watchlist. It's not a recommendation to buy, but a way for you to learn how experts screen for value and opportunities. And joining me today is Anaban Mahanti from Seven Investing. Hello, Anaban. Hi, Phil. How are you? I'm good, good. Thank you very much for coming on. So today we're going to be having a look at a company called Zscaler, and the NASDAQ code is ZS. Tell us about this company, Anaban. Uh, Phil, this is an exciting company. Exciting in the sense that this is really playing in the sort of the cybersecurity space, which, as we all know, is really, really hot. It's hot not because, you know, it's like, a, you know, everybody's talking it up. It's hot because there's so many cyber attacks and, you know, malwares and all sorts of issues that are happening, you know, including like hacks into, you know, government facilities and things like that. Different people have different estimates, but the estimated loss could be somewhere in the order of trillions of dollars for the impact that these things have on uh, governments, enterprises, and so on and so forth. So now the big question to ask is, why do we need a new security company, right? Because security is, is pretty old, right? Has been around for ages. And the primary reason we need to think about security in a different way now is in the good old days, companies used to have, or you know, organizations or government used to have big data centers, and those data centers used to be in their centralized offices. What they used to do is what's known as create the castle and moat approach to security. So the idea was, your data center in your big office or head office is the castle. You want to protect the castle. So you put all these expensive equipment from people like Cisco or Palo Alto Network, put them in, and then, then your whole idea was to keep the intruders out. Anybody who was inside the castle, so people who are already working from the office and things like that, inside the office were deemed to be trusted and they could access everything based upon their privileges. Now, over time, as cloud happened, that sort of broke. That broke because now you access Salesforce software, and that might be actually running in the cloud, not in your own data center. It's running somewhere in the cloud. Or you might have your workforce working from home on your you know, given devices, right? So they're accessing applications, both internal applications that you might have developed internally or applications that are SaaS applications, like you know, Salesforce is an example, that are on the public cloud, how do you protect your users and your data in this environment? That's the problem that sort of a new generation of cybersecurity companies are addressing, and Zscaler is one of them. And what they do basically is they have a distributed proxy network. And without trying to sound too fancy, what it means basically is that they have a way for you to connect to the Zscaler network. And once you're in the Zscaler network, you basically pass all your data through the Zscaler network until you get to the other end. So basically, they're almost acting like a man in the middle and looking at every data that's going up and down, and they're able to do it in a very efficient way. 
They're able to do this even if the traffic is encrypted. So a lot of use cases, for example, for people using Office and using Office 360, which is basically the online version or the cloud version of the Office suite, right? But then you need to look into encrypted traffic. So that's what they do. They do this at scale. They're growing really quickly. They're at a $1 billion plus annual recurring revenue run rate. Their last quarter, I think, I believe their revenue growth was about 60% plus. And for the past few quarters, they have been accelerating their growth. And this is a founder-run company. Uh, so Jay Chaudhary is the CEO and chairman of the company. And um, a really good sales team, really good go-to-market approach. And it's just a long runway of potential opportunities here. So I like that. So is this company, is their client base data companies as opposed to individual companies? Like you say, a big company doesn't have their own individual servers anymore. They're doing everything in the cloud with big data center providers. Is this the customers for Zscaler? No. So the, the customer for Zscaler would be the bank or would be a company like Nike. So they have what's called a Zscaler internet access a lightweight application that would run on your end device that would basically route your traffic then through the Zscaler network. And the Zscaler network basically spread across the globe. They have about 150 plus um, you know, points of presence. And then basically the other end, it would touch in and go into the cloud if it needs to. The other important thing, I think your bank is not a bad example because, I mean, banks have a lot of data centers still, right? And the reality is that the world has got hybrid you know, they've got some data centers, they've got some private cloud, and they've got public cloud access. You have to be able to protect everything, which you can't do using the traditional sort of castle and mode, build a firewall, put filtering rules and things like that. So you really need a software solution to be able to do that. So they can provide you secure access to internet applications. They can provide you secure access to private applications that you might have. You know, they might be on your data center or in the private cloud, but that that also they can provide. So they provide sort of those two big solutions, you know, Zscaler internet access and Zscaler private access. And then they have a Zscaler experience, which basically measures sort of your internet performance as you're going through their network. You mentioned that it's a founder-led company. How long has the company been around for and um, what's its growth been like over that time? Yeah, so this company has been around for approximately a decade. And, you know, again, it's been growing really quickly. So it's grown about 30 35% plus pretty much through its uh, you know lifetime as a public company it's not been public for that long it's probably been public for maybe 3 3 plus years and it's been again a fast growing business really scaling and just to get a sense of it you know they're at a billion dollars as i said still growing at you know at 60% but they think that they have an opportunity in the next say 5 years or so to almost 6x the annual recurring revenue so i really pay attention to the annual recurring revenue run rate the other thing i pay attention to is what they call dollar based net retention which is essentially measuring how much money are you making from your current customer base that was with you for a year. How sticky that customer base is. How sticky, exactly. And most of the time you can upsell to your customer base, right? Maybe they got fewer licenses or seats. Maybe they you know, added on other features of the product set. And over time, what you discover is that you're able to actually sell more to your existing base. It's more than 100% retention in that case, right? If you're thinking dollar terms. So that's you know steadily doing 120% plus, which is pretty fabulous. Yeah, and you know the other thing I'll point out it's, it's, it's free cash flow positive, right? So actually excellent free cash flow margin. 
30% plus. So 30% of the revenue turns into free cash flow. Now, I'll caveat that by saying that a lot of companies have stock-based compensations, which you add back because, you know, the stock-based compensation is not real cash, but that does cause some dilution, right? So let's assume that, you know, you're getting 1% or 2% diluted, but in return, you're getting a 30% plus free cash flow in, you know, last 12 months, it did about 180 million of free cash flow. So this is not like a company that's not making any money. This is actually generating a lot of cash right now, growing really quickly. And the thing I I like to tell people to think about is, you know, in business models like this, right, there's a lot of operating leverage. You build the software once. Of course, you're continuing to modify things and, you know, make things better, build new applications, doing R&D. But once the cost is in, if you can sell the same thing to lots and lots and lots and lots of more people, Everything else, the delta really is just going to drop to the bottom line. That's one. And the second thing is there's already free cash flow positive. So you can even, you know, think about in terms of, you know, DCF models. And one of the things I like to say is I think that this company is actually quite cheap if it can deliver on the growth that, you know, we have seen in the past and look into the future, think about the total addressable market then, you know, its free cash flow should only keep growing over time. And, you know, it could be worth actually 2x of what it is worth right now because people just are not thinking about the disconnect between revenue growth and free cash flow, right? And the revenue growth might be 30%, but free cash flow can actually grow at a much faster pace because of operating leverage. So, again, something to think about and, and a generic principle that people can think about when they think about businesses scaling, sort of hitting that sweet tipping point, as I like to say, you know, when operating leverage starts to kick in. 
Exactly, because the pie is getting smaller. But there's a flip side to this, and I think these people don't think about this as often. So it's very easy to always be, I guess, you know, pessimistic, right? There's going to be dilution, the growth is going to slow down, and things like that. But what I like to say is that, well, if the company is generating a lot of free cash flow, and it is going to continue doing that at scale, and at scale, let's say it doesn't have a need to spend that much to grow because the growth opportunities have decreased, then it's not going to spend as much on sales and marketing, in which case a lot more free cash flow is going to be generated. At that point, it has two choices. It would have the choice of either issuing dividends or a combination, issue dividends and buy back some shares. And a great example of that is Apple, which has basically generated so much free cash flow now that it doesn't know what to do with it. And it doesn't go around buying silly companies at you know some exorbitant prices. Basically says, I'm going to pay you a bit of a dividend. I'm going to buy back the shares. But in the last five years, Apple's share count has decreased by 25%. That is phenomenal. That's an example of what you can do if you have good capital allocation decision makers at the helm of things. So you're making this assumption with these companies is that, you know, founder run company with an objective to be, you know, a great company maybe in the future, then they would make, potentially make the right decision. So I'm just being optimistic. I like to be optimistic as an investor when I invest. So this is a NASDAQ listed company and uh, we're speaking today on the 19th of January 2022 where I believe the NASDAQ is officially in correction territory. How is this um, kind of macro trend affecting this particular company? That's a great question. So I love it. And I also love the term correction, which basically implies that everything about NASDAQ was incorrect before the correction actually (laughs) happened. (laughs) So uh, now everything is good about NASDAQ. So here's the thing, right? This company has probably dropped maybe 35, 40%. So the NASDAQ has just, an aggregate just dropped 10%. A lot of companies have actually dropped a lot more. In fact, there was a statistic I was reading somewhere that said that 40% of NASDAQ companies are trading 40% or or less, or they're down 40% or more compared to their all-time highs that they hit recently. And we're not realizing that a lot of companies have pulled back largely because big tech, which is a big significant component of both the NASDAQ and S&P 500, they've not pulled back as much, right? So a Tesla might be down only, you know, 15%. You know, Apple is barely down, like a Microsoft might be barely down, right? So compare that, but there's a lot of mid-cap companies mid-cap to, you know, smallish, large-cap companies that are down a lot. So I think there's a lot of value there. That doesn't necessarily mean that these companies are not going to, you know, drop more because in the short term, price prediction is basically a mugs game. (laughs) You know, it's basically rolling the dice. I would not know where things are going to be, but I think there's a lot of value out there right now. And my good colleague, Matt Cochran, had another image that he shared to us and which basically said that software is actually in 20%. Software is actually in bear market. Software companies as a some some ETF or index that tracks software is down more than 20%. So I look at this and say, well, you know, if I'm a long-term investor and I'm investing over the long term, these are opportunities. Yes, if I was retiring today and I needed the money right now, then it would hurt. But if I don't need the money for the next five years or 10 years, then now's a really good time, in my opinion, to invest. That's what I've been doing. I've been buying stock, right? And the two companies I mentioned, I own stock in them. So, you know, Tesla and Zscaler. And, you know, I've been buying. So that's what I've been doing, nibbling at ideas that I like. That's great advice. Be in there for the long term. (laughs) That's absolutely right. Anaban Mahanti, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure meeting you. Thank you very much for having me. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. 
Stocks for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Stocks for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 